Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. You know, so much of the weekend schedule is yours truly, Curtis Leeway, and all my many forms of doing talk radio. And I'm now in the home stretch of the Quinella. Let me tell you something. It is so interesting because after I finish from 3 to 5 and get you up to speed with everything that's going on in the world, in our country, in our region, and in our tri-state area, uh, I will come back. From 9 to 11, give you some more uh, insight into the uh, cryptocurrency Ponzi schemers, the Bitcoin bandits, and the blockchain criminals who are imploding as we speak. I'll have more updates on that. And remember what I've always said, Sam Bankman-Fried, right? The FTX guru there. Never trust anybody with three names, right? Haven't I always said that? I've been very consistent. Well, tonight you'll hear from his adversary, who's even more crooked, a guy named Zhao from Binance, who apparently can't even come into the country because he's so crooked. Anyway, I digress from there. Just to give you a little other update, we saw that horror outside of Colorado Springs at that gay nightclub where this loony kazooning. Again, never trust anybody with three names. Anderson Lee Aldrich walks into the club, semi-automatic rifle, starts shooting, takes out five dead on arrival, apparently 28, maybe more, wounded. Two guys who happened to be in the club at the time tackled them, took them down, fought him until the police could arrive. Again, Never trust anybody with three names. Never trust anybody with three names. And then, of course, uh, in the next hour, 4 o'clock hour, we are going to uh, visit the House of Anti-Semitism, Barclays Center, Atlantic Avenue, downtown Brooklyn, before the Brooklyn Nets take to the hardwood with the most infamous, famous anti-Semite in the world who has said, I've apologized, I've apologized, but we haven't heard him. What we've seen are his Instagram posts, Kyrie Irving, and the place will have his supporters and his adversaries on both sides. You don't want to miss it, ladies and gentlemen. But let's get down to the nitty-gritty because it is cold out there. The hawk is talking. Let me let me have that hawk. Boy, that was a pretty weak hawk there. That was a phrase taught to me by my father, Chester, many, many years ago when I was a young boy. I'm 68 now. I remember him talking to me at about four or five when we were visiting the Polish side of the family, our Polish relatives, uh, my grandfather, his father, Anton, Wanda, 
my grandmother from uh, Limanova, which is near the Czechoslovakian border in Poland. It's called the Highlands. And uh, they were at uh, 46 in Rockwell, south side. Used to be all Polish. Now it's um, uh, Mexican. Not far from uh, uh, from Bridgeport, where all the corrupt uh, dailies came out of. The stockyards, which were right there. And uh, Kaminsky Park, where the White Sox would play. It was great. It was great. But anyway, I remember sitting down. And back then, before global warming and climate change, when those cold winds would whip off of Lake Michigan, Wind chill factor was like 40 degrees below zero. I mean, those winds would cut you in half. And my father, as we walked around in the neighborhood, would say, the hawk is talking. I said, Dad, well, what do you mean the hawk is talking? He'd say, the hawk is talking. And it's a phrase that actually came about from jazz musicians who used to flood into the south side of Chicago, predominantly black, although there were whites who would go to those jazz clubs. And actually, it had started Louis Armstrong playing that horn. Louis Armstrong from North Corona in Queens. Right across the Grand Central Parkway was Tony Bennett and Astoria. They used to get together in clubs. But the point is, when it was this cold, obviously far colder in Chicago, the horn players would come in like Louis Armstrong, and they'd be up on the stage with their horn, and, you know, they'd be testing their fingers because they'd be like frozen to the bone frostbite. But their lips, their lips were so frozen, so they'd have to beg for a little bit of defrosting time, and they'd say, the hawk is talking. And everybody understood. It was so cold that the hawk was screeching. And it would take them about five minutes, and then Louis Armstrong and the other jazz musicians playing their horns would play. And oftentimes, because he consumed marijuana like there was no tomorrow, He'd be shotgunning some of those in attendance by blowing the marijuana smoke right through his horn, right into their nostrils. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that momentarily because tomorrow the licensing for the marijuana dispensaries will begin the process. And guess who's first in line here in the five boroughs? Sean Puff, Daddy Combs, P. Diddy. Now, you say to yourself, I thought... It was only people who had been arrested for marijuana sales before. That was the whole idea of waiting. Meantime, New Jersey has, what, 24 dispensaries? We'll get to all of that because they're faking us out. It's all about the money. That's all it is. It's all about the money. But let's talk about the homeless situation, which is out of control here in the city of New York. So I was on the E-train coming into our studios here at WABC, when it's this cold out, below freezing, the homeless know the place to go in the vast subway system is the E-train. And many people would say, Curtis, why are there so many homeless stretched out on the chairs, sitting there, you know, with all their clutter, you know, and their uh, uh, their shopping carts and such? I say, you got to understand the E-train, it goes from the World Trade Center and goes out to Jamaica Station where it hooks up with the train to the plane, you know, that... that uh, Mini rail that goes out to JFK. Boy, what a waste of money that was. And the homeless people know that it never goes above ground. It is the only subway line that never goes above ground. So it's actually warmer than any other subway line. There is a bathroom. Very important, I might add. Remember, when you got no bathroom facilities, you got to know where to go. Because, let's face it, a billionaire has to eliminate at some point in his life 
and a person who's homeless has to eliminate. And if you don't, if you don't like the fact that maybe all of a sudden they have an accident and you're screaming, hooting, and hollering because they're in the subways, uh, it's best that at the end of the line there's a bathroom they can use. And there's only now eight of them open in the entire vast subway system. And one is at Jamaica Station, which is where the MTA cops who do nothing, that's right, the, uh, <laughs> take, it, take, take your money. Uh, the MTA, they have cops out there, and they guard the bathroom. Because, man, when you go into these subway bathrooms, a few that are open, not only do you have queer eyes on the back of straight guys, but you also get pickpocketed, jostled, robbed. It's perv heaven. Well, make that perf hell if you have to use it. So the homeless, they're survivors. And you may say to yourself, wait a second. I'm hearing Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, talking about all these hotel, motel, Holiday Inn Expresses that have been converted into housing for the homeless. Isn't this a day that you would have them in the hotel, motels, Holiday Inn Expresses? 52 hotels. That's right. Sometimes uh, they actually schnooker people and say, look, we, we have almost full capacity in some of our hotels. Yeah, yeah the tourists are responding. They're, they're coming here for the Thanksgiving, the Christmas season, the dropping of the ball in Times Square, New Year's. And then all of a sudden you say, excuse me, Mr. Mayor, 52 of those hotels are filled with the homeless and the single able-bodied Venezuelans, the illegal aliens that you've housed them in. Thank God they're not in the tents on Randall's Island. Could you imagine if you were in that tent on Randall's Island on a day like today, right off the East River, you'd be freezing your tuckers off. <laughs> oh, man, did you you get over like a fat rat on that? Unbelievable. You still won't pony up and tell us how much money we're having to spend to house these homeless. We do know they're in 52 hotels now. Most recently, the old Milford Plaza, right on 45th and 8th. You remember the old commercial. Anyway, it's now been converted to what they call NYC Row. It's an LLC. That means we don't know who the owners are. And they're just taking our tax dollars like there's no tomorrow. And the most recent conversion was the Watson Hotel in Midtown Manhattan. Now, that had been converted right after the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020. That's when Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, uh, who uh, single-handedly destroyed the city that we love, then went off to Harvard. And if you've seen recently, even Harvard students so progressively left, so progressively radical, have booed him, have condemned him have asked the Harvard uh, officials, why the hell is he a professor here at Harvard University? He destroyed the city of New York. You want him to destroy our education? Oh, the New York Post had a huge piece on that, but I digress. So now if you go to the Watson Hotel, right, they got 600 single able body homeless men, mostly Venezuelans from Maduro, from uh, the old Hugo Chavez, right, socialists and communists, packed into that hotel. But if you go online, be a schmuck, be a putz, go online and say, hey, I got some relatives coming in. I don't want them staying in our house. I'm going to put them up at the Watson Hotel. If you were to house them tonight, remember, no room in the inn, Jesus, little baby Jesus in the manger with Joseph and uh, the Blessed Mother Mary. Uh, no room in the inn. They have room in the inn at the Watson Hotel if you have $424 for one night. Meantime, you're roaming in the hallways, you're looking for the ice, you know, and the uh, the chip machine, uh, you know, get your soda. 
and you got all these zombies roaming around, and you say, what the hell? They're charging at $424. It's like we're in a prison. And then if you happen to come for Christmas and the dropping of the ball and New Year's, they'll charge you at the Watson Hotel for a one-night stay with all these homeless people and these illegal aliens from Venezuela. $839 for a night. You think that's gouging? Uh, Just follow the money. If you follow the money, you will see that they are friends of Kathy Crime Wave Hochul, the owners and operators of the Watson Hotel, and Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. Always follow the money. So although it says it's 36 degrees outside, let me tell you something. The hawk is talking. It is cold out there. The homeless have decided, forget the 52 hotels, forget the shelters, Thank God you collapsed that tent on Randall's Island in Orchard Beach. Could you imagine? You'll be freezing your us off. I mean, what a schmendrick. What a picture. Meantime, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, is walking out there with not only a $5,000 customized suit, but now an overcoat. I saw him this morning uh, in a uh, picture. He had this overcoat on that you said, Oh, my God. He's, like, all pimped out. He looks like (laughs) Superfly TNT. That shaft. He's a bad mother. Watch your mouth. Where the hell does he get this money? Every day it's a new customized suit. It ain't off the rack. I think Pablo Escobar, who no longer exists, thank God, he went straight to hell without an asbestos suit. He doesn't have to worry about the cold weather down there. That's for sure. The furnace goes 24-7-365. But Pablo Escobar used to be the biggest drug dealer in the world. Remember, he ran the Medellin cartel in Colombia versus the Cali cartel. But uh, Pablo Escobar used to fly in this tailor from New York City. And the tailor, right in his office there with a tiger, a hungry tiger right there, so the tailor had better get the cuts right, would customize him suits that would cost $10,000. The only person I've ever seen with comparable suits, and it's a suit a day, is Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. And I just ask, where, where'd you get the money for that? I mean, you only get paid like $285,000 to be mayor of the city of New York. There ain't no damn way you can afford a customized suit a day and now that tailored overcoat that makes you look like Shaft. He's a bad mother. Watch your mouth. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. I'm a big a purple haze on that e-train as i was coming here freezing my tokus off and i i must have gotten a contact high man so many people smoking blunts smoking their marijuana and i'm saying to myself how the hell the homeless guys end up being able to afford marijuana i mean this wasn't k2 this wasn't two dollars a stick man and man they were like 
Then all of a sudden, the only benefit was that stink masked up the stink of the homeless people who obviously needed to see a bar of soap and a shower store, which they probably haven't seen in a month of Sundays. So you need a hazmat suit. You need a oxygen mask when walking around the streets in New York City, the parks, and especially the subway. Because there's smoke and reefer everywhere. Wiz Khalifa here, he calls it a bake sale, but we know what he's talking about. He, those of you who are baby boomers, very few of you know what that is. Like, what are you talking about, Curtis? He's talking about opening up a bakery shop, right? Isn't this good? Pass the cannolis, not the guns, right? Isn't this good? This is what we want them to do? No. And I'll explain to you momentarily. We have waited uh, an enormous amount of time. Since Andrew evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, now in the midst like a political vampire of uh, resurrecting himself, the zombie that he is. Total revisionism, but remember he signed the bill into law. It seemed like a lifetime ago, legalizing the recreational use of marijuana here in New York State. Seemed like a lifetime ago, but they vacillated. They delay the implementation. People like Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, Carl Hasty, uh, the crook who is the Speaker of the Assembly, and Cousin Stewart, they oversee the uh, supermajority uh, in the Assembly and State Senate. They said, oh, no, no, no. The reason we're delaying, the reason why we're not forging forward is that we want to give these precious licenses to sell. In a state-licensed dispensary from Buffalo to Brooklyn, we want to give it only to people who've been busted before. You know, I remember the uh, remember the movie Blow, how the guy started by bringing in bales of marijuana and then said, hey, man, it's like heavy lifting. A little bit of blow, a little bit of cocaine goes a long, long way. Yeah, 25 years to life in federal prison. But I digress. So... Supposedly what's going to happen tomorrow is they have vetted out all these guys and gals who in the past have been arrested for bringing in weight. We're not talking about selling nickel and dime bags of marijuana in the streets, but we're bringing it in by the bail. And apparently they have gone through the vetting process. We think. I doubt it. Like everything else, uh, if you wine, dine, and pocket line the officials, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, they're like they're like little little French Buddhists. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You first. What? What? No, no, no. You to the back of the line. Well, guess who has come to the front of the line? Sean Diddy Combs apparently is spending what is now close to a billion dollars in the hip-hop mansion, mansion uh, excuse me, the hip-hop monster fortune that he has accumulated. He's going to spend $185 million to jump ahead of the line so that he can get some of the first licenses to open up a state license in New York dispensary for the legal sale of the recreational use of marijuana. Now, um... I've looked at his record, and I know his record quite well. One of the few things he hasn't been busted for is either selling nickel and dime bags when he was growing up in uh, Mount Vernon. Nope. Uh, he wasn't busted for selling nickel or dime bags of marijuana at uh, St. Michael's, excuse me, Sean Puff Daddy uh, Academy. <laughs> that's, that's what it's been re- renamed, Mount St. Michael's in the Bronx. He went there. 
he wasn't much for selling uh, weed there, nope. Nobody even suggested he was a weed dealer at any part of his decadent and debaucherous life. I will tell you that if you know the life and times of Sean Buff Daddy Combs, I take you back to 1991, December 28th. It was the Christmas holidays. It was Sean Buff Daddy Combs, an aspiring empresario, along with his homeboy, Heavy D. Remember the rapper Heavy D, who was also from Mount Vernon? Like Denzel. Denzel was from uh, Mount Vernon. J.B. Smooth, who's on with Larry David, that crook. You know, Larry David, the crook with cryptocurrency. You know, FTX, we'll talk about that in the 9 o'clock hour, of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So you have Heavy D and Puff Daddy, both uh, homeboys who grew up in Mount Vernon, set up what they called a charity basketball event at City College, not far from where our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, grew up in his Greek family, right in the shadow of City College University, at the Nate Holman uh, Gymnasium. And the crush of everybody coming in because it was packed to capacity. And once again, Sean Puff, Daddy Combs, and Heavy D were bringing in too many people, hadn't uh, hired any security. They crushed one another. Like, remember in uh, Cincinnati years ago, they had the um, Who concert. And Riverfront Stadium, and remember, there was a mad crush uh, of who uh, followers. The doors didn't open. And I think about nine people, maybe more died, others were injured. Well, likewise, the same thing. It was December 28th, City College, at the Nat Holman Gymnasium. Nine were crushed to to death. Many others were injured. And the guy responsible was Sean Puff Daddy Combs. But he got away with it. Why? Because he blamed Puff now, he blamed Heavy D. Heavy D was the mastermind. Uh, I, I just went along for the ride. To strike one, he got away with that. The guy's almost a billionaire now. He's going to be first in line to get one of these rare licenses in the state of New York that will be issued tomorrow for the sale of the recreational use of marijuana, which is not what it was meant to be. Then let me take you back. Remember, it was 1999. And tooling around in their Lincoln Navigator with a drop box was P. Diddy with who? J-Lo. That's right. Jenny from around the block in the Bronx who had legitimately grown up in Castle Hill. Jennifer Lopez went to Preston High School in the neck. Unlike AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, uh, the uh, Justice Warriors, who spent like five minutes in the Bronx and was living up in very trendy Westchester. Yes, yes. What was her name at the time? A Sylvia Ocasio, Sandra Ocasio. One of those names. In which she sounded like a valley girl back then. But anyway, I digress. So here it is. They're in a club in Times Square. And then Sean Puff Daddy Combs, he's ordering $1,000 bottles of champagne. And then there's J-Lo. And then there's his protege there, Shine. Shine was the up-and-coming rapper in his stable. And all of a sudden, a guy comes up, and he throws money in Sean Puff Daddy Combs' face, one of the homeboys, a thug. I think it was from Brooklyn. And Sean Puff Daddy Combs, instead of ignoring it, what he does is he pops his gun out. his stoolie. Bang, 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 bang. He shoots up the club. Everybody's diving for color. Next thing you know, J-Lo says, man, I ain't into this kind of download stuff. Let's get out of here. They run downstairs, jump into Lincoln Navigator with the Dropbox. They leave Shine behind apparently with the gun, and then all of a sudden they're driving the wrong way. They're trying to escape. Cops from Midtown North spot them. They arrest them. 
They bring him in to book him, book him, Daniel. And you see Sean Puff Daddy Combs in the video showing his bodyguard and driver, see these rocks on my hands, they're yours. Remember, you just had amnesia. You don't know nothing about nothing. And he beat the rap. And I got to tell you a little side story of that. They put together a huge jury pool. And actually, Sean Puff Daddy Combs was riding with a lot of dough, so he hired who? Benjamin Bramfman. Remember if you're a mobster choking on your lobster or your white-collar criminal, you want Benjamin Bramfman. He's one of the best. So in the jury pool of hundreds, happened to be my wife at the time, Mary, and they went through the voyeur. They were asking her questions. And then all of a sudden, Benjamin Bramfman looks down. See, Pete Diddy's right next to him because they're interviewing potential jurors. He said, are you related to that guy, Curtis Sliwa, the head of the Guardian Angels? She said, yeah, that's my husband. Dismissed. Dismissed. Sean Puff Daddy Combs wipes the schwitz off his brow because he knows I hate him, I loathe him, I detest him. But anyway, he beat the rap because they had witnesses come in who were in the club when he was shooting it up. And they said, Sean Puff Daddy Combs, who's he? I never saw him before in my life. It's like he had, uh, they all had amnesia. Uh, because they were given scatol sandwiches, lettuce sandwiches. Uh, they're probably living very well now. But they all claimed amnesia. And then his protege, Shine, took the rap. Now, who was Shine? Shine was the up-and-coming rapper at that time in Sean Puff Daddy Combs' uh, hip-hop monster rap company. By the way, he was also the son of the prime minister of Belize. Wow. Son of the prime minister of Belize, where they speak English, right? It's right south of Mexico, you know. They don't have the gang problems of El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras. They all speak English. They speak Spanish, too. But it's a place where a lot of people go to to vacation because it's an unknown crown jewel in Central America. He takes the rap. He does 10 years in Attica for Sean Puff Daddy Combs. And you say to yourself, how much money? Did he get from Sean Puff Daddy Combs to take the rap? Now, apparently, he's very bitter. But there's the code of the hip-hop community, remember? Snitches get ditches and end up in ditches. There was the East Coast, West Coast rap wars that involved, you remember, Biggie Smalls, who got shot and killed outside of the NAACP awards show in Los Angeles. And it was thought that, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, Death, Death Row Records did that. Oh, Death Row Records, you know, at that time. Who was with them? Oh, he's still alive. Tupac Shakur, he's still alive. And then all of a sudden, right, they cashed in the chips when Tupac got shot and killed, and everybody said, okay, one for one. It's like the mob. These hip-hop monsters, it's just like organized crime. They had to sit down, East Coast, West Coast. You killed one of ours, Biggie Smalls, never been solved. Uh, and we killed one of yours, Tupac Shakur in Las Vegas after the Tyson fight, never been solved. Okay, it's just like an organized crime. We got one of your guys, you got one of our guys. Now we got to get back to this thing of ours, making money. Man, you learn a lot here on the Curtis Sleeper Show. But up next, we have to discuss what potentially, I'm not sure, could be the scam of all scams. And, I mean, we're getting into it tonight, 9 o'clock, when we talked about the Bitcoin bandits, the cryptocurrency Ponzi schemers, the blockchain criminals, uh, FTX, but not just FTX. We're going to hear from Zhao, clone 
of the Emperor of Red China, Xi, who is the number one crypto monster and criminal in the world. And he was going to speak about his long-term friend. Remember, never trust anybody with three names. Sam Bankman Freed of the criminal enterprise known as FTX. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are going to try to move your feet. See, I am Wonder Mike, and I like to say hello. Or to the black, to the white, the red. Sugar Hill, Sugar Hill Gang. No, it wasn't a gang. One of the initial rap groups. It came about with Rapid's Delight just at the moment that I started the Guardian Angels, February of 1979. I remember all the hip-hop monsters used to go next to uh, Roosevelt High School. It's called the Drug School. It's where Dominic Carter went. Maybe he'll talk about that tonight, 12 to 1, as he begins his weekly broadcast. But anyway, they would go into the backyard. They would steal the electricity off the telephone poles. They'd be having their rapper's delight, sort of rap, what can we call it, um, circumference. And then they had the munchies from smoking all that cheaper. And where would they come? But to the Mickey D's where I was a night manager. And they'd flood in. And I let them know, yo, homeboys, let me tell you something. You 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 get you get out of control. I'm gonna have to slam you and say, "Yo, white boy, watch your mouth." And right there, you felt the tension. All the big rappers that assembled in the uh, well of City Hall the other day to celebrate the 50th anniversary of hip hop was first birthed in the Bronx. Now back then, it was party music. It's just like this, right? Rappers delight. Nobody was doing a booty call. Nobody was flashing cash. You didn't see loaded nine millimeters. You know, it was happy music, party music. And so I noticed that they were all assembled there at City Hall. Some of them definitely taking Geritol. Some of them AARP. Some of them a little long in the tooth. But I noticed I didn't see any of the surviving members of the number one rap album that hit the charts, number one, second, and none. And, boy, these rappers were not happy that it was Beastie Boys. The Booker Boys, that's right, studying Torah and Talmud. Then went to NYU like our own Frank Morano. That's right, that Mama Luke, and became a violin. And met Russell Simmons, who was the head of Def Jam Records. And they ended up with the number one album ever for a rap LP, licensed to ill. So I was wondering, when I was looking in the crowd of all those hip-hop rappers, some of them in wheelchairs, some of them with canes, some of them still in recovery from the years of snorting up Kaufman carpets because of all the snowflakes on it from the cocaine. I said, well, hey, 
Where are any of the Beastie Boys? I guess Jews were not allowed in that category. We're going to talk about it later on in the 4 o'clock hour because I'm hoping when Kyrie Irving is introduced to the crowd at Barclays Center, now that he has supposedly apologized for a second time and claims he's not an anti-Semite, maybe the song they'll play will be... Oh, they got to play this song. It's so now. No sleep. No sleep in Brooklyn, right? Oh, yeah, that'd be... How do you think they'd react? Oh, wait. Those are Jews. Oh, man. Anyway, let me not digress. So they had this huge conference at City Hall, and I noticed the mayor, Eric Adams, swagger man, is like in a midlife crisis now. You know, he's like 60, 61. He's like got a $5,000 customized suit on every day with Ferragamo jammies. He's now got on an overcoat that makes him look like, he's a bad mother, watch your mouth. And he's like a fly guy with these hip-hop guys who are like looking at him. He's like, aren't you the mayor? Why don't you act your age? You know, that was us back in the 70s and 80s, but that was then, and this is now. I want you to listen to the mayor who is so euphoric. He's in his midlife crisis. Maybe truly he wanted to be part of Grandmaster Flash's Furious Five when they sang the best rap record ever in the history of rap, The Message. But here is Eric Adams, the hip-hop mayor. You know, my story is your story. (laughs) Dyslexic? Arrested, rejected, now I'm elected. Now, uh, he was wearing an Adidas track to, like, run DMC. I wonder if Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle, remember, in his riff uh, last week in Saturday Night Live, was saying, yeah, man, a lot of the Hasidim, a lot of the Orthodox, think they run DMC as, like, part of their tribe, except they just happen to have darker skin because, notice, they wear the hats, right? They wear the black hats, except they wear those leather, black leather jackets. Didn't get many laughs then. Hopefully he gets more laughs when he entertains in Borough Park, Crown Heights, and in Williamsburg. But anyway, I digress. So the mayor was like, he was in flashback mode, man. The guy's 61 years old. He's looking at all these hip-hop guys. I would have said, hey, where the Beastie Boys? Where the Jews? Ah, come on, Curtis. Don't bring that up now. He was like, he was thinking back to his youth, his wayward youth. I mean, I didn't know. He did like one day in Spotford, a juvenile detention facility in the Bronx. If he did that, he talked about how he was part of a gang. No way. He didn't talk about the time him and his brother, his older brother, actually did a home invasion of a stripper prostitute who hadn't paid him for his services, and I'm not talking about sexual services, but acting as a lookout. So he figured, hey, while she goes back to the club on the pole, me and my older brother, we're going to get ours. And he got arrested. I remember the story. He said he was in the precinct there in Jamaica. They, they traumatized him. He was like, oh, my God, I'll never survive. Hey, Kai, grow up, man. Man up. I've been locked up 77 times. <laughs> But that was then, and this is now. Listen to him as he's in flashback mode. Definitely in a midlife crisis, surrounded by so many of these old school rappers who at any moment are going to be saying, eh, it's time to go to hip-hop heaven. I mean, some of them, I was looking at them like, they got one foot in the grave. Deputy Mayor, that's a hip-hop child. 
You know, you have uh, David Banks, the chancellor. That's a hip-hop child. You know, these uh, those who are running, Hakeem Jeffries, hip-hop child, Jamani Williams, uh, Letitia James. We listened to your beats and your words, and that it became our energy. I started my day with Fight the Power, Fight the Power. You know, I sat down with Chaos One when he wrote the tune uh, Black Cops. Uh, you know, I could just think of all those tunes that while I was studying my exams, before I studied my exam for a sergeant, lieutenant, or captain, I would listen to the hip-hop sounds, and that gave me the energy that I have. Let's be clear. My story is your story. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. You see, uh, McWhitey White is out there. You got to understand that Eric Adams hated cops. Because he listened to this KRS-One. Remember, KRS-One was called the professor of hip-hop. He actually lived in a shelter for a while in the Bronx. I knew him. And this was his anthem, that the police are beasts. So we're to believe that while studying for the sergeant and lieutenant's test, you know, civil service and the police, uh, to become a house mouse, because that's all he did was hang out in the precinct. Eric Adams never busted his shoes in the streets of subway. Hell no. He was listening to KRS-One, the sound of the police, the beast. That's why he hates those cracker cops, remember? I kicked their ass, remember what he said? Oh, you think he's changed? Come on. He's now in his midlife crisis. He's referring to KRS-One, who made this anthem, the sound of the police, the beast. And all you McWhitey-Whiteys out there, you're like, gee, what's he talking about there? Gee, uh, it's good that he's associated with hip-hop. That's that's when they were, were friendly with the police. Not. Every and day in the police department, I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable in the police department. In the meantime, we have our uh, friend here in the morning, Sid Rosenberg, who's being romanced by Eric Adams. Man, he knows how to play, Sid Rosenberg, like a Dunkin' Yo-Yo. Remember? You have your Dunkin' Yo-Yo and you say it's time to walk the dog. Man, he's he's playing. He's playing, Sid Rosenberg. I love listening to Sid Monday through Friday, 6 to 10, because he gets all the big names. He interviews them, but the only one he folds to like a cheap camera is Eric Adams. <laughs> Oh, God. But anyway, uh, cease and desist uh, with KRS-One. It's giving me a headache. I have noticed that our mayor and other elected officials, notice, who did he mention? Hakeem Jeffries is a hip-hop child. In the next hour, you're going to hear some of the most virulent anti-Semitism coming out of the mouth of his uncle. The infamous Dr. Leonard Jeffries, the worst virulent anti-Semite in the history of New York City. And that says a lot. Who used to be the head of black studies at City University. He created that whole concept of ice people, that's us, the crackers. And sun people, the African Americans. And that uh, Jews controlled the slave trade. And that Jews had all the money in the world. Yeah, Dr. Leonard Jeffries. His uncle! who used to take him on trips to Egypt 
where he would fill his head full of nonsense how Nubian peoples created air flight. Not the Wright brothers, the Nubians, back when they merged with the Egyptians. And also how they invented martial arts. Yeah, you should tell all the brothers who used to pay $5 to go see all the kung fu flicks in Times Square, right? Where you'd see Run Run Shaw, like 92 years old, jump in the air like 50 feet and do a spinning hook kick and coming down with an axe kick. Yeah, black people invented martial arts. Sure, they did Dr. Leonard Jeffries. How come nobody asks questions of hockey? Jeffries, now set to become the majority leader of the Democrats, following in the wake of Nancy Pelosi, who, when she finally gave up her her queen's chair, she said, it's time for a new generation. Hey, Denny Hoyer, how old are you, 82? Get out of here. Oh, Claiborne, how old are you, 82? Time for us to leave and usher in a new generation. Somewhere Joe Crowley is sitting. In his mansion there in Arlington, Virginia, in the Beltway, saying, it could have been me, man. I was in the line of ascension. Remember they always said about me, crooked Joe Crowley, I would be the next Speaker of the House when Nancy Pelosi would exit stage left. That was me. Until AOC all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who was a bartender, went door to door and reminded people that I hadn't been in that congressional district in the Bronx and Queens in like years. And when she knocked on the door, they said, who's Joe Crowley? Uh, That's your congressman. Really? I never saw him. So now, as he stares into his beer, crooked Joe Crowley, as a lobbyist making millions and millions of dollars, he tells the story like he told me at Queens Boulevard. We have a sit-down because we were enemies. He goes, Curtis, we need to make peace. I said, what do you mean we need to make peace? Why did you invite me to an Albanian restaurant for Italian food? This is the worst Italian food I've ever had from my life. I'd rather go to Rayo's. I'd rather have Chef Boyardee. Oh, this is great. Yeah, Irish guys really know about Italian food. And then he told me the story of how for years he would always sit on the bench. He went to Power Memorial, the Christian Brothers. He sat on the bench and never got a chance to play because he was the substitute for Lou Alcinder, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Where are you going to hear stuff like this? Only here exclusively on the Curtis Lieber Show. So he was used to being a, a, a bench jockey. He's waiting for Lou Alcinder, right? Maybe all of a sudden, you know, he, he'd sprain his knee or maybe, I mean, a big guy like that is bound to get injured. Look at Bill Walton how many times. Oh, my feet, my feet, my feet. And never once was Joe Cullen. Joe Crowley, crooked Joe Crowley, summoned from the bench by the Christian brothers and said, it's your night tonight, Joe. And there he was on the precipice of becoming the Speaker of the House. And who took him out? AOC all out crazy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, have you ever heard that story before? Huh? No, of course not. Uh, you think any of the reporters uh, would ever go to that uh, Albanian restaurant and serve maybe the worst Italian food on Queens Boulevard that I've ever had in my life? And then the guy, he's eating it up like he's asking for seconds and thirds, and I'm like, I'm going to the bathroom. i got to regurgitate it. And he's singing Ramon songs. Rockaway Beach, Rockaway Beach, yeah. Crooked Joe Crowley, he was like, I love the Rockaways, the Irish Riviera. I wish I had been part of the Ramones. Mm. You see, he was never good enough to be in a good band. 
He was never good enough to substitute for Lou Alcinder, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a power memorial. And he was right on the precipice of being Speaker of the House. And you know what he ended up with? Wolf tickets. By the way, hold on a second. Uh, We need to hear from the mayor again because I digress about how he's the hip-hop mayor. Listen again. Don't disconnect this moment. First time in New York City history, we have a hip-hop mayor. By the way, the last hip-hop mayor in uh, America was a guy I knew. He hated me. I hated him. Although his mother liked me. She was the congresswoman from Detroit. Uh, Madam Kirkpatrick. She loved the guardian angel. She loved me, but her son hated my guts. What was his name? Kwame Kirkpatrick. And before there was Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, he had the diamond ring in his ear, just like Eric. He had the $5,000 customized suits, just like Eric Adams. And he had that pearly white smile. And you realize that smile is hiding something there. While he was the mayor there, he was such a crook that there would be sludge barges going down the Detroit River with the elimination of the people of Detroit. And he would get a cut of the action of the sludge barge. I mean, how low could you go? Even Aretha Franklin, who had been friendly with her before she died, cut all ties with Kwame Kirkpatrick, the hip-hop mayor who was then given a sentence of 20 years in Fort Worth, federal pen. And who gave him uh, his pardon? The hip-hop president... That's right, Donald Trump. Remember when all the hip-hop monsters would go down to his casinos in Atlantic City? They'd all queue up. Oh, man, I want Trump in my hip-hop video, man. It'll blow it up. They used to line up. Donald Trump would wait in his office. How can I be of help to you, Sean Puff Daddy Clumps? How can I be of help to you, Jay-Z? How can I be of help to you, Nas? Oh, man, you got to be in my my rap video. It'll blow up. And they'd all go down to the Trump casinos before they close. And they love. They love the hip-hop president, Donald Trump, right? Remember with Kanye? No, no, no. He was always the hip-hop guy. By the way, back then, who was he hanging with? Al Slim, Shady Sharpton? Yeah, and remember Don King? Isn't it great to be an American? They were like the three amigos, the three musketeers, teaching one another how not to pay taxes and how not to pay your bills. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was cryptic then. Now, all of a sudden, everybody forgot about that. Ah, Curtis Leo didn't forget. Because I'm looking at the, let's see, a nonprofit organization, the National Action Network. I know all about that because, remember, I won a nonprofit and have been doing so since 1979, the Alliance of Guardian Angels, Inc. When you're a nonprofit, 501c3, all of your information is public knowledge. And so I'm looking uh, through the 990s, the IRS filings. Oh, my God. Al Slim Shady Sharpton gets paid a salary of about $350,000. He's CEO and president. Plus, he got a bonus of $250,000. Plus, they spent a million dollars for travel on private jets for him and his many sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys. Plus, back in 2017, they bought the life rights to the CEO and president of the National Action Network, his board bought his life rights for close to a million dollars. What happened to the money? 
And then when he was uh, promising no justice, no peace demonstrations every day against then Michael Bloomberg, the billionaire mayor. You notice he didn't have those demonstrations when Bloomberg was mayor, eight years that he served and the four years that he stole Mr. Term Limits. You didn't have shanting demonstrations because every month the envelope arrived stuffed with cash, $10,000, to pay for his room, penthouse, at the Carlisle Hotel. How can I tell this story? Everybody else knows the story, but oh, can't say can't say that. Why? Because his complexion is his protection? No, no, no. Oh, up next, we got to talk about the Hip Hop Museum and the, the scam and the fraud that that might be. I'm not quite sure yet. My wife, Nancy, e-attorney, is doing the deep dive on that. But I'm very suspicious that Eric Adams, swagger man, has married himself to the Hip Hop Museum, still not fully constructed. In the South Bronx. <laughs> WABC. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friend. So I got my divining rod out. You know, I'm street smart. I know where all the bones are buried and who buried them. And I'm very suspicious about the money being raised for the hip-hop museum in South Bronx. Now, obviously, you want to have a hip-hop museum. That's where it birthed. I described to you the history of it early on. But um, so far, I'm saying to myself, hold on a second. Something not right here. The mayor, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, delivers a check to the hip-hop museum for $5.5 million. His money? Hell no. His contributors' money? Hell no. He's got a million dollars to run for re-election. Already, he hasn't even served a year. And the city is in worse shape than it ever was under Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who's taken a Miley Cyrus ball and destroyed the city that we love. And now they want to oust him as a uh, professor there in Harvard. Even those liberal progressive uh, Democratic Socialist kids realize he's full of bull feathers. But anyway, I digress. So let's look at this hip-hop museum. And say, well, the plans have been, the schematics have been up. Yeah, everyone is entitled to their own cultural museum. The city has a looming $10 billion deficit that hits on January 1st. The state a $16 billion deficit. There ain't going to be no money uh, from who's your daddy, Joe Biden, in Washington. The stimulus money has run out. And we're facing really tough fiscal times. So I'm trying to figure this out. Why would we be giving $5.5 million to a hip-hop museum? Jay-Z, right, he's a billionaire, came out of the Marcy Avenue projects. Uh, his claim to fame was he shot his brother, and the record went platinum because he shot his brother. That figures, hip-hop degenerates, they love that stuff. He's a billionaire. He's married to the NFL now. He's got other business interests. That's one. Then there's Nas from the Queensboro projects who used to battle him. He's a millionaire many times over. His mansion, they, they just did a home invasion of his mansion out there in Beverly Hills. Ha, 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 ha. You deserve it, Nuts, because you promoted that kind of criminal activity in your raps. And then, of course, there's P. Diddy from Mount Vernon, who's on the verge of becoming a billionaire, especially if Eric Adams and Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb give him the first license to, sm- to sell legal recreational use of marijuana. 
because he's ready to pour in over $200 million and wine them, dine them, and pocket line them. But I said to myself, okay. I said, Nancy, you're good with the figures. I want you to be like Elliot Ness. I want you like a treasury agent, sharpen your number two pencil, and do a deep dive on the hip-hop museum in the South Bronx, which files as the Universal Hip-Hop Museum. It's a 501c3, which means that all their records are public, just like mine for the Alliance of Guardian Angels, just like the National Action Network of Sharpton. Oh, oh, that's right. They're always delaying, revealing how much money they've swindled. But anyway, there were no individual donations noted on the 990 IRS filing of the Hip Hop Museum in the South Bronx. Anyone donating above $25,000 would have to be indicated on the 990. So I have to extrapolate from that that Jay-Z, who is now busy teaching the kids in the Marcy Avenue projects in Williamsburg, Bitcoin, his route, the route out of the ghetto is to become a Bitcoin bandit, this according to Jay-Z, right, as Bitcoin implodes. We're going to be talking about that tonight at 9 o'clock. <laughs> he hasn't donated anything. Hmm. Nas hasn't donated anything. Sean Puff Daddy Combs hasn't donated anything. These guys could use the tax write-off. They're making millions as we speak. Do you think maybe they know something about the hip-hop museum and who's running it that we don't, that Eric Adams doesn't care about because in his midlife crisis, these hip-hop AARP guys and gals have anointed him our hip-hop mayor? Huh, you think? <laughs> We're going to dig into it really good. But up next, it's the night of all nights, the march of the anti-Semites. The black Hebrew Israelites will be outside supporting Kyrie Irving. And then inside, we're going to see uh, on whose side everybody is. I have a feeling that on one side, there will be uh, Rabbi Joe Potasnik, Howard Stern, John Stewart, Seinfeld, Larry David, and the schmuck, Chucky e. Cheese Schumer. Saying, come on, join the tribe of Israel. Come on, the real tribe of Israel, Kyrie. Not the black Hebrew Israelites, but you know damn well on the other side, urging him on, are going to be folks named Louis Farrakhan, right? Kanye West, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Stay on our side. Don't go over to their side. Nick Cannon, Professor Griff, Leonard Jeffries, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, yeah, yeah, and... Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who was friends with Kyrie, remember? Gave him that special exemption uh, on the mandated vax. And by the way, Eric Adams dabbled with the Nation of Islam. Oh, yeah, early on in his career at Screwy Louis Farrakhan. And who will be in the middle at Senate Court? Dave Chappelle. Bring it on as we continue here on WABC. Throw me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. No sleep till... We'll be on the Barclays Center tonight, Atlantic Avenue, home of the Brooklyn Nets. 
Why? Because after an eight-game hiatus, Kyrie Irving, the schoolball, all-star, NBA guard for the Brooklyn Nets is expected to come back. We've been told he's done mea culpa after mea culpa for his anti-Semitic remarks. But we're not sure because they've been posted on Instagram. He hasn't conducted a press conference because, remember, originally, when it first came out, he had an insult to injury in the first press conference, got into an argument with ESPN. And they said, so nice, let's try it twice. He came out for a second press conference, and they ended it after six minutes, the Brooklyn Nets, because he was, like, really going down the anti-Semitic trail. So they said, finally we got to suspend him for five games. But then he's got to jump through hoops, lots of hoops. He's got to meet with Adam Silver, who's the commissioner of the NBA, born and raised, a proud Jew. I'm a Zionist. You should impale yourself with a menorah, Adam Silver. Something's got to be done. Well, you're the NBA commissioner, right? But then he had a meeting with him. We don't know that that's, in fact, oh, Kyrie threw himself on the menorah. There's no doubt about it. He has said he is not an anti-Semite. I know anti-Semites, and he is not an anti-Semite. So he gets to first base. Then apparently he met with the Anti-Defamation League, which just loves to raise money on the back of anti-Semitism. If all of a sudden I was to walk outside this studio and go, Hot-choo! Because it's cold out there. What? That's anti-Semitic! Let's do a mailing. Let's make the calls. We raised $50 million on the back of Kyrie Irving. We could raise more. And, in fact, didn't he give us $500,000, as did the trillionaire owner? Chinese, I might add. The Brooklyn Nets. Remember, it was the Russian who owned it before, Putin's friend. Now it's the Chinese guy who probably takes his orders from Emperor Xi in Beijing. So uh, the trillionaire owner of the Brooklyn Nets gave 500000 to the Anti-Defamation League. Kyrie gave 500000 but wouldn't apologize, remember? He said, hey, take the money and run, right? Which added to the anti-Semitic trope, saying, you see, just give the money to the Jews. That's all they care about. The boy, he really dug himself a hole. The coach, the interim coach, has not spoken to him. Before. The general manager has not spoken to him. Nobody has spoken to him. Not even Kevin Durant, right? I mean, his main partner on the court. He said, I haven't talked to him. I have no idea what the hell is going on. But an Instagram post came out at the very moment that Donald Trump said to Elon Musk, F you and Twitter too. You put me back on, I don't need Twitter. I'm Donald Trump. That was ballsy. I like that. By the way, you know, Elon Musk, oh, we held... We held an election. Wait, you said there were all those trolls, right? All those pods out there, right? That you couldn't trust any of them. Meantime, you skewed the election. You made it 51 Trump, 48 the naysayers. You said, welcome back, baby. Who loves you, baby, Donald Trump? And Donald, this was great. He said, I don't need you, Twitter. Your company's going to implode momentarily. What the hell would I need to be on Twitter? Standing... By his principles. But will Kanye, will Kyrie, will Nick Cannon, 
Will that whole lot of anti-Semites, will they stand by their principles or will they fold like a cheap camera? Well, some have already folded, but others have not. Certainly not Kanye. But the reason that we open the segment with Beastie Boys, oh, man, this was... This was not received well by the hip-hop community that is predominantly black. Yes, Kevin uh, Drosch, our weekend producer who has co-mingled with the hip-hop monsters, has said, man, they never liked the fact that the Beastie Boys uh, LP, First Out, Licensed to Ill, created for them by the team of Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons, all of them going to NYU at the time, becoming violets, just like Frank Morano, the Mama Luke. Well, you can hear the other side of midnight tonight, one to five. Um, had the number one album. I know a lot of black rappers who said, hey, man, had to be fixed. How could how could they be number one? So you see, if Kyrie Irving has truly decided that he took the wrong path, and he's now ready to do his mea copas, mea copas, mea, moxie, mea copas. In fact, uh, there was a trivia question out there. There was a great New York Nick, although he was really great before he was a Nick. He was with the Phoenix Suns. Great story. He was a forward, MVP. I think he was MVP. Some of his life, he grew up in an abandoned car. That's how bad he had it growing up. And then he rose to stardom. He had all kinds of knee problems. But for a while there out in Phoenix, he was number one, second to none. He could bang with any NBA ball player for rebounds. He could shoot from inside, outside. The New York Knicks brought him to New York. And all of a sudden, we found out that he had converted to the Jewish faith. Who am I talking about, ladies and gentlemen? Legitimately, this guy. I mean, he uh, drank the Manischewitz wine, the Morgan David. He followed all of these ceremonies, of which there are many. Legitimately became a Jew. Not easy to do. Just ask Sammy Davis Jr. years ago. You know, they don't come for you. The good thing about the Jews is they only look to find those members of their lost tribe. They never try to convert, like, oh, the Christians. Oh, all you got to do is say, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and you'll be saved. I say, this guy, triple life without parole, uh, he's a pedophile. That's all he's got to say, and he'll be saved. You mean me? I'm out there doing good work with people all the time. But if I don't say Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, I go straight to hell without an asbestos suit? Yep, tough noogie, sorry. <sighs> Where's the Jews say, nah, nah, you're a Gentile. If you want to convert, we're going to make it so tough for you that like Sammy Davis Jr., you're going to want to poke out that false eye out of your head and say, what the hell did I do? But he converted. Some others have converted. And this great New York Nick, in fact, let me give you a little hint, rhymed with the last name of one of the greatest New York Yankee pitchers of all time, who unfortunately was taken by cancer. He was not only a great Yankee pitcher against St. Louis, 1964, the World Series that we lost, (sighs) seven game two. Ken Boyer versus his brother, Cleet Boyer. See, I'm, 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 but the name of the pitcher rhymes with the last name of this great Nick, who, as a black man, actually went through all the hoops and converted and became a observant Jew. Who I think right now goes back and forth between Israel and uh, the United States. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But the whole world is going to be watching tonight. 
On one side, we are going to see our own Rabbi Joe Potashnik. Although he's a Boston Celtic fan, Jews love basketball, even if they can't play. I mean, if there's one group of people in the world who love basketball more than the Red Chinese, it's Jews. And if it weren't for the Jews buying season tickets at Barclays Center for the Brooklyn Nets, and especially for the Knicks in Madison Square Garden, you'd only have like 20% of the seats full. I'm t- if you had to depend on the Presbyterians, the Methodists, uh, you know, the old uh, line uh, Protestants, you could fill a closet, not Madison Square Garden or Barclays Center. Jews are the grease to the wheel of the NBA in New York City. They love basketball, and this goes back many, many eras. Even if they can't play, man, they'll, they'll take a reverse mortgage to be courtside. So on one side, cheering on the conversion of Kyrie Irving is our own Rabbi Joe Potashnik, who will probably take him on a, um, what can we call it, um, a re-education tour. He'll have to meet with all the big machas in New York, you know, because Rabbi Joe is the head of the 100 rabbis uh, in New York City. They recently had a dinner just the other night. Our own John Katsimatidis uh, showed up. Johnny Legit, my friend. I wasn't invited. The righteous Gentile. Oh, yeah, Rabbi Joe, I'll remember that. But anyway, this Rabbi Joe Potashnik, legitimately big basketball fan, him and his son. Although they're for the Celtic. Howard Stern, we know that he's uh, ringside there for the uh, Knicks. John Stewart, yeah, John Stewart, big basketball fan, took on... Uh, took on Dave Chappelle about his riffs about anti-Semitism uh, last Saturday night on Saturday Night Live. As Seinfeld, this big basketball fan, courtside for the Knicks, he'll be there. Larry David, yeah, although I think he's an L.A. Lakers fan, you know, like Jack Nicholson. Uh, he'll be courtside. And the schmuck to put Chuck E. Cheese Schumer, every time I've ever gone to a gathering of young black men and women that he's speaking at, this guy is a real on a Pinocchio. He said, you know, youngsters, when I went to Madison High School, I could dribble between my legs. Uh, man, I could do the two-handed set shot from outside. I was a great basketball player. If you're going to be good in basketball, why don't you apply your attention to that? Look, I did. You basketball? Ain't no freaking way. This guy is so disjointed. There's just no way he played basketball. And I'm saying, Chuck, this is a black crowd of young men and women. They hear enough of that nonsense. How about telling them to study instead of playing basketball? What's that going to get them? And actually, Chuck Schumer wants to be friends with every group he can and lie, 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 as he always does. But anyway, they're all on one side, cheering him on, right? They're dancing the horror. They're saying, Hashem welcomes you, Kyrie Irving, welcomes you. Maybe you can become like that New York Nick, who actually, in the course of his NBA career, went through the hoops, man. It ain't easy to convert to being a Jew. Just, well, just read the life and times of Sammy Davis Jr., who did that. Anyway, on the other side, though, we'll call it the black side. Nick Cannon, right? Nick Cannon, who was like the Ryan Seacrest, he was like milk toast. He never had an opinion. I interviewed him 45 minutes at a radio conference at the Best Buy Theater, no longer there in Times Square. He was like Derek Cheetah. He said nothing for 45 minutes. And you know me. I was like digging, digging, digging. And then stupidly, and people are stupid when they do podcasts because once they do the podcast, they can't get it back. It's there in perpetuity. He's sitting with Professor Griff of Public Enemy. 
virulent anti-Semite, sickle fan of Scooby Louis Farrakhan, and he he got Nick Cannon to like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm the real Jew, not them. We'll get into that momentarily. So you got Nick Cannon on one side, you got Professor Griff, you got Kanye, yeah, Kanye, easy e saying I went from a billionaire to a millionaire to the point where I had to beg to come into the uh, Barclays Center tonight. And then, of course, there'll be Screwy Louis Farrakhan. He'll be there. Dr. Leonard Jeffries. Well, 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 nobody wants to ask. Hakeem Jeffries, former assemblyman from Brooklyn, congressman from Brooklyn, now said to become the majority leader in the House for the Democrats, replacing uh, Nancy Pelosi about uh, his uncle, the most virulent anti-Semite in the history of New York City, and that's saying a lot. We'll get to that momentarily. And yes, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who, remember, gave Kyrie the pass on the mandate, vax mandate. They say, oh, we got to have Kyrie playing here. Yeah, what about cops, firefighters, nurses, sanitation workers, people who, when the lockdown and pandemic came, they, they, were, they were called essential workers. They crawled into the belly. F them. We love Kyrie. Everybody loves Kyrie. Remember what Eric Adams said? And by the way, he flirted with Screwy Louis Farrakhan back in the 80s. Ah, as much as he denies it, I got the documentary evidence. And then who's at center court because he took both sides, medzi, medzi, poco, poco, Dave Chappelle. That's right, Dave Chappelle is at center court. The whole world will be watching tonight. And that's why my show better really be damn good when I come back at 9 o'clock. Because you're going to want to see, right? You're going to want to see if he actually does an interview. Because he's in a box now. It's all Instagram. Don't talk to me. Some publicist for the Brooklyn Nets is doing my Instagram. You know that. You know that. He, he's he been too apologetic. That's not Kyrie. If you know Kyrie, he recently joined the Flat Earth Society with Shaquille O'Neal. And he wasn't pulling our legs. He believes that the world is flat. Guy went to Duke, the Ivy League of the South. Duke went to uh, St. Patrick's in Elizabeth. Damn good Catholic school. Had good parents. Was born actually in Melbourne, Australia. That might actually suggest that. He was in the land down under. So, you know, when they flush the toilet, it goes in the opposite direction than when we flush the toilet. And grew up in West Orange, New Jersey. And yet he crawled into the belly of the beast. And outside will be his main supporters, who have been to the Barclays Center now three, count them, three times. A lot of the media hasn't reported it, and they shouldn't. Members of the black Hebrew Israelites. And even though they'll be freezing their tukas there tonight outside of Barclays Center, game time, 7 o'clock, even though the hawk is talking, dressed in their medieval garb with their staffs and all of their uh, oak tag pronouncements, the whites are crackers, Ashkenazi, Sephardics are not real Jews, they're Fugazi Jews. And only black Hebrew Israelites are the real Jews. And just to give you a little taste of what they'll be screaming outside of Barclays Center as they scream at the top of their lungs in Times Square every day and outside of Penn Station and in uh, urban areas across America, rain, snow, sleet, or shine, the Holocaust is a joke. Are you saying the Holocaust is a joke? It's a joke. That's right. That's right. Don't you 
Don't bother confronting them, Rabbi Joe Potashnik, because they just scream, hoot, holler, and yell. They'll never give you a, a chance to get in a word edgewise, Rabbi Joe. And by the way, Rabbi Joe can talk with anybody, right? He's so smooth. He's so nice. He could give a diabetic insulin shock. Won't work with the screwy uh, black Hebrew Israelites. And then their favorite word for white people as they pass, crackers. Uh, I didn't care that six million crackers got killed in the Holocaust. Uh, They're waiting for the next cracker to get killed. That's them every day in America. The land of free speech. We don't want to deny them their free speech. But the reason that Kyrie got into all this trouble was he's got like 10 trillion uh, Instagram followers, most of them in red China, because the red Chinese are the most rabid. Their fans are like, oh, basketball. They even think Stefan Marbury is God. Oh, my God. Stefan Marbury came out of the Cary Projects in Coney Island, went to Lincoln, went to Georgia Tech, came to the Knicks, bombed out, and now he's a god in red China. They got a statue of him outside one of the stadiums, Stefan Marbury. One day I'll tell you about, I was sitting in a restaurant, Stefan Marbury was on the opposite side with his baby mama drama going on. He was having problems with the mama. And I was sitting at a table with, yes, Congressman Peter King, his wife, and Vito Fasella and his wife. And they said, Curtis, don't start up. Because I was eye-fornicating and mad-dogging. Yeah, Stefan Marbury. And he was eye-fornicating and mad-dogging me like we've done for years. When remember he was selling those fake sneakers for like five dollars? Peter King, Vito Fisellis, Curtis. We're not here for that. Please. Don't start up. They always tell me this wherever I go, Curtis. Remember, your enemy is here. Don't start up. That's the last time John Katsimatidis with Alphonse Alley Boy Demont. Your enemy is here, please, Curtis. Don't start up. Keep everything nice. I never do. Up next, I will give you the documentary evidence as the time clock is ticking towards 7 o'clock. Will this be the resurrection of a born-again Kyrie Irving? Chucker never passes, doesn't play defense. What the hell do the Brooklyn Nets need him for anyway? They're winning without him. Oh, will this be the descent into the bowels of Farrakhan hell? who has given him guidance. Oh, you don't want to go anywhere. Don't Forget football. Forget. Hey, kickball, kickball. Go, go. It's all fixed there in Qatar. You know, no, no, no. Keep it right here at 770 AM WABC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Basketball Jones. I got a basketball Jones. 
Classic Cheech and Chong. How many stars in the NBA actually get Federal Express packages stuffed with marijuana, right? They claim they have to smoke it to deal with their many aches and pains and injuries. Hey, I don't quibble with that. But it's not marijuana we're talking about tonight. Nobody's going to be lighting up inside the Barclays Center. Maybe outside. Oh, yeah. They'll be sparking up the blunts and the splits. But enough of this. I never liked that music when Cheech and Chong came out with it. But naturally, it's a great entry point. So we already heard from the black Hebrew Israelites who will be shivering their black tuchuses off outside of Barclays Center, as they have on three other occasions. Almost no media reports of that. They love Kyrie Irving. He's one of theirs. But there is another issue that has surfaced that the media will not cover. And you got to ask yourself, we are in the midst of a coronation of uh, Hakeem Jeffries. He's about 51, 52. He's been waiting in the wings for years for Nancy Pelosi to step aside. Some people said she might never step aside, but he patiently waited. He did his time. He earned his stripes. And when Nancy Pelosi exited stage left the other day in the well of the house, she signaled to uh, Denny Stoyer, 82, and to um, Clyborne from South Carolina, 82, it's time for a new generation. And immediately, Hakeem Jeffries threw his name in and said, I want to be your majority leader, Democrats, and should we ever regain the House, which they will at some point, I will be third in line to the presidency. I will be the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Now, you would think that people would do a deep dive especially with all this talk about anti-Semitism and Brooklyn being at the epicenter of it. But, of course, not. Hakeem Jeffries, his complexion is his protection. But I know Hakeem Jeffries because I grew up. He represents Kanasi now, unfortunately. And I always knew that Hakeem Jeffries was the nephew of the most virulent anti-Semite ever to exist in New York City. That's saying a hell of a lot. Dr. Leonard Jeffries, tenured professor, City University, chairman of Black Studies for City University. Again, that's uh, uh, Stone's Throw from where our owner-operator, great talk show host in his own right, John Katsimatidis, grew up in the shadow of City University in Harlem. He was an untouchable. They tried to throw him out of his position, and he went to court, and the court put him back because they said it was a matter of free speech. I want you to just hear. What Dr. Leonard Jeffries was saying across the nation back in 1991 about Jews in Hollywood. Was every ethnic group involved in the making of Hollywood and the negative images of African peoples? Was every ethnic group involved in the making of the Sambo image, in the making of the Stephen Fletcher? Yes. Which was the ethnic group that had a particular interest in that, a particular influence in that? Why can't we get at the truth of that? That's not a defamation of all Jews. It's a defamation of European Jewry that was participating in white supremacy but in America. Say things, reflecting when a cult of white supremacy. When you say that, Professor Jeffries, there you go. You raise the flag of a whole group of people rather than... Oh, that voice so recognizable, that perv, Charlie Rose on PBS. 
That was 1991. I remember appearing with Charlie Rose 1992 in which he said to his audience, Curtis Lee would never got shot by the mob five times with hollow point bullets on the orders of Gotti and the Gambino crime family. He made it up. I can tell you he made it up. When it went to court and it was proven that I was telling the truth and the gunman got 20 years, Michael Leonardi, for shooting me, did I ever get a call from that perv uh, <laughs> out there in the Hamptons? Hey, Charlie, I'm waiting for that call, that apology. You schmuck, you putz. So he puts this virulent anti-Semite on, and this guy, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, wouldn't let Charlie Rose get in a word edgewise. Just like the black Hebrew Israelites, where do you think they got all their nonsense from? Dr. Leonard Jeffries, uncle of Hakeem Jeffries who used to take Hakeem Jeffries as a young adult on pilgrimages to Egypt when he would teach the young men and young women that, by the way, it was the Nubian people here in Egypt. For your edification, the Nubians were blacks from the nearby Sudan who intermingled with the Egyptians. They invented flight, not the Wright brothers, way back before Jesus Christ, B.C., before. And, in fact, they invented the martial arts. And a lot of the young men and women said, really? Dr. Leonard Jeffries, I just went to Times Square. I saw three Run Run Shore Kung Fu movies for $5. I didn't see a black guy in it. We invented martial arts. So Hakeem Jeffries was infected with this. He's never been asked to renounce it or condemn it. In fact, here was his other diatribe against the Jews that in in fact he accused them of controlling the slave trade. Where do you want to start? Do you want to go to Amsterdam and get a book by Jonathan Israel on European Jewry in the Age of Mercantilism 1550 to 1550 to 1750 and there's a picture of the Amsterdam synagogue which was the center of slave trading for the Dutch. Amsterdam became a leading port in this period of time for slaving. And it was around the synagogue. So the Jews in the synagogue in Amsterdam were selling black slaves. Yeah, right. It's all been debunked. This is Dr. Leonard Jeffries. Remember, there was the Reverend Wright. Think back. Reverend Wright, south side of Chicago. He was the pastor for Barack Obama and Michelle Obama. Every, almost every Sunday, for 10 years, they would be sitting right there in the front. Reverend Wright would be talking about ice people, that's us, the crackers, and sun people, the African Americans. And he'd be talking about the Jews who controlled the world. Now, somehow, when finally candidate Barack Obama had to have a special press conference to explain how he could be sitting there for 10 years, standing up, applauding, going, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know what his answer was? Everybody was screaming, amen, amen, hallelujah. I really never heard what Reverend Wright said. In 10 years, remember, he had to have that special press conference. And he renounced Reverend Wright, who claimed that black men's brains were superior to white men's brains. That's Farrakhan nonsense. Hakeem Jeffries has not ever addressed the anti-Semitism of his uncle. 
His father, obviously, brother of Dr. Leonard Jeffries, they had a very close relationship. I would think, uh, before it ever gets to that point, that fellow Democrats, especially Jews, oh, that's right, look down your trousers and say, you lost your, your onions, you know. It's like say, hey, Hakeem, this guy is like, hates us, you know. It's like, did you learn any of this crap from him when you went to Egypt over and over? And do you renounce him? Could we have a press conference where we could clear the air? Why should I? It's only that, that Curtis Lee who's bringing this up. Yeah, because I know where all the bones are buried and who buried them. Where the hell is the rest of the media on this? It may well be that Hakeem Jeffries renounces his uncle. Still alive. You think reporters, intrepid reporters, you would find Dr. Leonard Jeffries and ask him some questions about his nephew, Hakeem Jeffries? Oh, we don't want you to have to work so hard like that. I know that. I'm not saying I'm better than anyone else. I know there are some of you I've jarred your memories out there. That guy, I remember he was on with Donahue. He was on every show in 1991 spreading the anti You're kidding. He was the uncle of Hakeem Jeffries. And I'm going to bring it up because he's been sanctified. He's anointed. He's the future Speaker of the House. Number three in line to the presidency. How about a little press conference with the president? You think some of you could show some courage, members of the Fourth Estate? You think some of you could ask, you know, your uncle, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, you know, worst sem- anti-Semite in the history of uh, New York City. Uh, do you agree with anything he said? Then cite some of it. Let him renounce it. Watch. He'll want to impale himself with Dr. Leonard Jeffries' staff. It'll be excruciating, right? But then again... Don't you think he has to purge himself of his uncle's hate of the Jews? Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. was the musical by Mel Brooks. He almost didn't get a pass for this being a Jew. You think Kanye West was listening to these words when he was praising Hitler and the Nazis since 2018 in meetings, including with Harvey Levin at TMZ when he did an interview with him and he said, Kanye, you really believe that crap? Yeah, yeah, I do, Harvey. Well, if you don't mind, we're going to leave it on the cutting room floor. Since 2018, the guy has praised Adolf Hitler and the Nazis, and they all ignored it. They just said, that's Kanye being Kanye. But remember, Schooly Louis Farrakhan said the same thing. Remember, Hitler was wickedly great. Wickedly great. 
So let's get back on track. Today is the resurrection, the rebirth, the reconfirmation of Kyrie Irving in the lineup of the Brooklyn Nets after an eight-game hiatus in which he supposedly promised all he's no longer an anti-Semite, although we haven't heard from him. It's the other people. And his Instagram, which he probably doesn't even control anymore, right? Probably somebody from the Brooklyn Nets. We're paying you millions of dollars, guy. We got to control the message. Don't talk. Be like Eddie Murray used to play for the Baltimore Orioles. Great. He hit over 500 home runs. Great first baseman. Never would give an interview after in a clubhouse. And then when he became a Met, he he took the code of a, you're never going to talk to the media again. You can't be trusted because of statements like this. I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. Oh, boy. It's right out of the black Hebrew Israelites. And then he added insult to injury. You guys investigate my life every day. And you justify it by serving your own purpose, which I honor. I would like the same respect in return. Figuring out just like anyone else. So please keep that same energy when we're talking about anti-other things. Because just because I post a documentary doesn't mean I'm anti-Semitic. And doesn't mean that I'm automatically standing with everyone that is believing in that. So it's unfortunate timing that we're in, but I'm glad that I could stand on the truth because I'm not afraid of these mics, these cameras. I used to be looking everyone in the eye and telling the truth that I'm proud of who I am. Any label that you put on me, I'm able to dismiss because I study. I know the Oxford Dictionary. You look it up, right? One of the biggest mistakes I had in being a kid was not knowing European or Western language until I started looking it up and understanding the definitions and why they say, if you want to trick a black person, put it in a book. I was wondering my whole life why they said that. Now I'm 30 years old and I know reading is a superpower because it helps me understand where I'm going and where I come from, like a tree with roots. Were you reading Dr. Leonard Jeffries' 10 books about how the Jews controlled black slavery through the synagogue in Amsterdam? (laughs) Of course he did. Now, he said, remember, originally I was afraid of the microphones, afraid of the cameras. I didn't want to give interviews. But, boy, he's been, uh, he has blabber vocia verbosa of late. Now, will he say, I'm afraid of the cameras and microphones? Please, I'm let my let the publishers of the Brooklyn Nets speak on my behalf. You, you can't let Kyrie speak. He's going to crawl right back into the belly of the beast. And how do I know? Because of his friend, Kanye West, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. Ye, who actually talked about black Hebrew Israelite nonsense. When I say Jew, I mean the 12 lost tribes of Judah, the blood of Christ, who... The race, the people known as the race black, really are. This is who our people are. The real Jews, not you Ashkenazis, not you Sephardics. And then remember the classic. Now remember, this is from 2018. Kanye West, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. Ye, even when he was with Baby Got Back, Kim Kardashian, was talking about his love of Adolf Hitler and the Nazis openly giving interviews so from um, Harvey Levin of TMZ, a Jew, cut it, left it on the cutting room floor. Tucker Carlson, cut it, left it on the cutting room So many others. Because they realized if we had heard that, we'd say, this guy is not just bipolar disorder, manic depressive. He's a screwball and an anti-Semite, right? 
Well, this was the icing on the cake. The thing about the red hat that drove me to a point of exhaustion, which was misdiagnosed by a, I'm not going to say what race, what people, uh, doctor, and what hospital, and what media went to. We know I can't say that. It was a Jewish doctor. I can't say that. It was a Jewish doctor. <laughs> He's been talking this nonsense since 2018. But he was a billionaire then, a millionaire, big in the apparel industry. Everyone wanted to be associated with Kanye West, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. But this happened before to um, the Ryan Seacrest of African Americans, Nick Cannon, right? Like I said, I interviewed him at a radio conference at the Best Buy Theater, when it was open in Times Square, it was like 4,000 people there. And my job was to get him to answer any questions about anything in his life. You know, this is like interviewing Derek Jeter when he was with the Yankees, number two. He would never answer any question. 45 minutes, and you know me, I compound the hell out of you, and I did. He never broke a sweat at Schmitz. He never grimaced. He had the pearly whites, the smile, just like Ryan Seacrest. You know, Ryan, who you'll see when the ball drops New Year's, you know, Dick Clark, the American band. And the guy is, like, completely non-controversial. And then one day, he wigged out. He appeared on a podcast. That's why I never appear on podcasts. You're crazy if you do. So many people have been on a podcast, and they've said things that they regret because they get swept up in the moment. They can edit things in a podcast, whereas this is live in local radio. What you say is what it is. Podcasts. <laughs> don't even ask, oh, you got to be on my podcast. No, I don't. Oh, yeah, you know, I have like uh, five followers. you got to be on my podcast. Why do I have to be on your podcast? Oh, because you need me. Really? So this schmuck, this putz at the top of his career, Nick Cannon, he was the golden boy of Viacom MTV. Redstone, the owner and operator at that time, the old guy, the old codger, Jewish guy. He said, he's like my godson. I love Nick Cannon. And Nick Cannon would say, oh, I love Redstone. Of course he loved Redstone. He was getting paid millions. But he was good. He was doing a lot of different shows. He just was not controversial. He had no opinion about anything. Do you think it's cold outside? I have no opinion. Um, do you think, uh, no, no opinion. It, he would actually wear, like Ryan Seacrest, he would have a big sign on him. I am a human being who inhales, exhales, but I have no opinion about anything. And then he sits down with Professor Griff. Professor Griff, who had followed the teachings of Scooby Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam, with Public Enemy, when they were at the top of their game, you heard the hip-hop mayor say, yeah, fight the power. That's interesting to know that Eric Adams' motivation was listening to Public Enemy, Chuck D, Flavor Flav, Professor Griff, fight the power. Hmm. Anyway, I digress. So finally, even Chuck D had to say, you got to go, Professor Griff. We're the number one rap group in America, and we're in this total... Descent. Like we're listening to number 400 now. Jews, they're not, they're not showing up at our concert. They're not buying our rap records. Uh, we need them as customers, man, because look at, look at what's happening. We're licensed to ill, right? The Beastie Boys, they're the number one rap group in America, the Jewish kids. So they got rid of him like a bad habit. 
And so what did uh, the anti-Semite, the Farrakhanite, uh, the person who thinks that all whites are crackers do, uh, Professor Grip? He started a podcast. And who was stupid enough to show up on his podcast? Nick Cannon with the schmata on his head. He's, I said, uh-oh, this ain't the Nick Cannon I know, perfectly coiffured, you know, every hair in place. Mariah Carey, I love Mariah. Oh, God. Maybe it was that, being with Mariah Carey. What a diva. He probably lost his mind. So he's sitting for this podcast. And then all of a sudden he said exactly what the black Hebrew Israelite said, exactly what Kyrie Irving said, exactly with what Kanye West said. Hate it now because I told the truth. It's never hate speech when it's not. Right. You can't be anti-Semitic when the Semitic when, when we, we are the Semitic people, when we are the same people that you who they want to be, mm-hmm. that's our birthright. That's our birthright. Yeah, we the real Jews. Oh, my God. All of a sudden, Viacom said, they said, Nick who? And all of a sudden, Nick Cannon called up his grandfather there, right? Redstone. It's me, Nick. Uh, who? Click. So he had to find the rabbi, Joe Potashnik, out there. He went to uh, Hebrew uh, boot camp. And he uh, started to to understand why he was an anti-Semite. He severed all ties with Professor Griff, and he got back on track. He's still fornicating and copulating. What is he, just had his 11th kid? Doesn't he believe in Jimmy Capp's condoms? You know, hey, hey, Nick, come on. You know, the world is overpopulated, right? You and, you and Elon Musk, right? You're like baby-making machines. But anyway, I digress. Now he's the host of uh, The Masked Singer. And remember when our Kumbadichi, Rudy Giuliani, our colleague here at WABC, was on? Lousy singing, Rudy. Save it for the showers. But then they unmasked Rudy. And two of the participants, remember, ran off the stage like all of a sudden he was Dracula. Ah! But not Nick Cannon. I give him props. He completed the full cycle. He did not run when he saw Rudy Giuliani. He stood his ground. But he's been damaged. He's been damaged. The problem is the leader of the anti-Semitic pack has given orders from headquarters from his palazzo, south side of Chicago, and his mansion in North Phoenix where this man rolls in dough. Screwy Louis Farrakhan, who called Jews termites, remember, and a gutter religion and said that Hitler was wickedly evil with a smile on his face. Here was Screwy Louis Farrakhan doing a YouTube, a message to Kyrie Irving, to Kanye, to Nick Cannon, and to the rest of the brothers and sisters out there about their newfound relationship with Jews. Ye is a lover. Kyrie is the same. But he wants to stand on a principle. And you see him standing, how intelligent he he is, and the media keeps running at him. Why Why don't you say you apologize for this anti Semitism? Wait, it gets better as he stares into the camera. He's about 82. You know, he's the age of Biden, of Pelosi. Of uh, <laughs> so many in government. It's time out with the old, in with the new. But anyway, 
The anti-Semitism just gurgles to the top. You brought them out of college and high school and gave them a contract. You gave them a contract because you saw their talent. Haven't they made money for you all? So now you sign them up. And then Adidas comes by and Nike comes by and gives them a lot of money that they don't see. You have them on a leash. What's he talking about? The Jews. It's out there, ladies and gentlemen. It's out there. It's fermenting. We're going to see that tonight on full view. Because the question is, is Kyrie Irving actually going to say anything? He's an intelligent guy. Went to Duke. St. Patrick's High School in Elizabeth. Born in Melbourne, Australia. Good family. West Orange, New Jersey. He knows. He knows how to speak. My feeling is if he speaks again, he will crawl back into the belly of the beast of anti-Semitism because his homeboys are going to be outside shivering. The black Hebrew Israelites shouting their invectives at all those Jewish fans, 80% of whom fill up the seats in Barclays Center, including our own Joe Potashnik, Rabbi Joe, right? And they're going to say, you're no real Jews, you're fake Jews. We're the real Jews, you crackers. And yet, Jews are going to continue to go to Barclays Center and continue to take reverse mortgages to pay for one game because of their love of basketball. For any of you who continue to do that, take the menorah and impale yourself because you know better than the rest. Because as long as the anti-Semites can continue to make money at your expense because you love the game of basketball, this one's on you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Which side are you on tonight? The side of the anti-Semites, like Kyrie Irving, Kanye West, Nick Cannon, some of the others who have claimed that they have gotten back on track. Or, uh... Are you on the side that says, nah, this anti-Semitism is spreading fast and furiously, huh? That's Pete Seeger. Yeah, he was the communist. That's right. He played the banjo. And uh, he would tell you, I'm a communist through and through. Uh, I support the American Communist Party of Gus Hall, who had his little dacha growing his tomato plants there in Yonkers and getting money from then, from uh, from Nikita Khrushchev, right? But we knew which side he was on. There was no vacillation. Let's go to the phones right now. It is uh, John who's calling. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, John. Yes, hello, John. I guess John is frozen there because the talk, uh, the hawk is talking. Can I have a little hawk is talking there? You think you can maybe that that'll unfreeze our phone lines because, man, it is cold out there. 
he was going to give the answer that I was inquiring. No booby prize, just uh, tapping your medulla and your cerebellum. Amiri Stoudemire was the great NBA star. Again, great story if you ever read up about it. Played for the Phoenix Suns. He was a banger in the paint. He, he, he played all aspects of the game. He wasn't a chucker. He passed the ball around. He was a great team player. But took a toll on his knees. The young man grew up in an abandoned car. I mean, and this has been proven, an abandoned car. He lived with his family there for a while because they had no place to, to go. You talk about homelessness. You talk about this. There's no room in the inn, Joseph and Mary, for the baby Jesus boy. And against all odds, he rose out of that poverty. He avoided the gangs. He avoided the drugs. He became a great NBA star. Uh, with the Phoenix Suns, I think he was the NBA, also, I mean MVP, and then the Knicks drafted him, and boy, he was going to come uh, to Broadway, and man, he would get the endorsement. So we didn't know at that time that Amir Stoudemire, African American, was going through the very rigorous conversion to become a legitimate Jew, studying Torah, studying Talmud. The Jews don't go out there and try to try to recruit you like the Christians and especially the charismatics and the evangelicals. They come up to you and they say, uh, are you a, a born again? And you say, no. All you got to do is say, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And you could be the worst person in the world. You're going to go straight through the pearly gates. Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. What's your name? Charlie Manson. Don't worry about it. You're going right to heaven. Not that kind of nonsense, right? No, the Jews are like, hey. You weren't born of a Jewish mother. We're not going to come rescue you. But they would show up with the mitzvah tank outside of WABC to rescue the BLT Jew, who was our own Sid Rosenberg. Yeah, bacon, lettuce, and tomato Jew. And they would say, hey, come on, we need to bring you back. Because they've heard that Sid is going to St. Patrick's Cathedral every so often and maybe thinking of joining Jews for Jesus. Oh, oh. That's a Shanda. What would his mother say? He interviews his mother every week. That's the best part of uh, the Sid Rosenberg show. He's got many great guests Monday through Friday, 6 to 10. But I I love listening to his Atakaka mom up there in the Catskills. Imagine if he would say, Mom, I'm becoming a Jew for Jesus. Take me now, Hashem. Take me now. Like Red Fox, remember? But um, we're going to see tonight. When I come back to you, once we uh, unfreeze all these telephone lines that are frozen, I mean, it's below freezing out there. It is dangerous weather. For anybody who's living out in the streets, many of them have descended into the subway, as I described to you, the moving hotel underground of the massive uh, money-taking agency machine, the MTA subways, the E-Train, which is underground from the World Trade Center to its uh, final stop, Jamaica Station, where there is a uh, usable bathroom. So that's why all the homeless will be piled in. They were piled in when I came today, and they'll be piled in tonight. And Man, I can't blame them. I've been in all these shelters. You would not want to be in these shelters. And by the way, uh, the mayor has gone on to say New York City is recovering. Look at all the tourists who are coming. Look at all the hotels. We got 52 hotels that have booked homeless people and the illegal aliens from Venezuela. They don't count, Eric. But anyway, I digress. 
you got to rejoin me tonight at 9 because you're going to hear me delve into the cryptocurrency Ponzi scheme that has existed for quite some time. The Bitcoin bandits and the blockchain criminals. And we're not just talking FTX. And I told you, never trust anybody that has three names. Like the guy who's going, going, gone at FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried. He was number two in blockchain, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency, that that Ponzi scheme. Tonight, we're going to talk about the number one guy, Zhao, who's the puppet of the emperor of China for life, Xi, who is so tainted that he might not even be able to come into the United States when uh, subpoenaed to talk about the implosion of this Ponzi scheme. And he's placed all blame on Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX, even though he was the biggest investor who pulled his investment in the Bitcoins on November 2nd because he heard from the proud prince of Saudi Arabia, that fake, phony, fraudulent prince from Saudi Arabia, that Sam Bankman-Fried was bad-mouthing him as they were trying to swindle billions from the house of fraud. Billions. And then he decided, I'm taking them out. Like right out of the Godfather. And he has imploded bitcoins and cryptocurrency. That's all tonight. First time you're going to hear from the guy who is in charge now of the Bitcoin bandit empire at Binance. Yow. That's why you don't want to be watching football. You don't want to be watching that fake, phony, fraudulent football. They spell with a U. Soccer. Go, go. It's all fixed in Qatar. You want to keep it right here on 770 AM WABC. What you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are going to try to move your feet. You see, I am Wonder Mike, and I like to say hello. Or to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, the purple, and yellow. But first, I got to bang, bang, the boogie to the boogie. Say, up, jump the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie. Let's rock. You don't stop. Rock the rhythm that I'm But I brought two friends along And next on the mic is my man Hank Come on, Hank, sing that song Check it out, I'm the C-A-S-N The O-V-A and the rest is F-L-Y You see, I go by the code of the doctor of the mix And these reasons I'll tell you why You see, I'm six foot one and I'm tons of fun And I dress to a T You see, I got more clothes than Muhammad Ali And I dress so viciously I got bodyguards, I got two big cars I definitely ain't the whack I got a Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.